Christ is risen. Say that with me. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Easter Day is Resurrection Day. Can you imagine what it was like that first resurrection morning? Can you imagine how the, the buzz began? I mean, the people who had been quiet for the last three days, now all of a sudden, something was going on. There was a stir going on. And nobody could really put their hands on exactly what it was. But they knew it was something very unusual. You know, when you think about the resurrection of Jesus, and you think about Easter Day, did you realize that every Sunday is Resurrection Day? Every Sunday is Resurrection Day because... The resurrection stands as a fact in history. And it stands as, a, as such a fact that in the first century church, the resurrection took the worship, the day of worship, from the old Sabbath of Saturday, and it placed it right on to the new place of the new wine of the new grace of the Lord's Day, Sunday. Now, over the years, people have tried to discount the resurrection. People have tried to disprove the resurrection because, you see, if you can prove that there is no resurrection, then there is no Christianity. And yet, secular historians, archaeologists, and atheists have leveled their greatest guns at the resurrection. And do you realize that there is more historical, factual evidence for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ than there are for some of our world wars. Any, any um, serious historian studying the 20-plus thousand documents from that day, not just Bible documents, extra Bible documents like the writings of Tacitus, walk away with this, with this understanding that history is an ally of the resurrection. The case for Christ, the case for Easter, who moved the stone, Ben-Hur, people have set out to disprove the resurrection. And in every instance, they come back going, well, it has to have happened. In fact, Josh McDowell was on the campus of a university in South America, and an intellectual walked up to him and said, Mr. McDowell, how can you purport to be an intellectual when you subscribe to something like Christianity. Josh McDowell says there is one problem, one thing about Christianity I cannot get away from. It is the resurrection. When I investigated, I found it's true in history. I found it's true in culture. Now, I just want to say this to us. Are you listening? If our Lord Jesus can come to this earth and live on this earth, just like you and I do. If he can endure the crucifixion of the cross, and if he can stay in the ground three days, and he can come back to life, there is probably not anything going on in your life that he can't handle if you ask him to. Now, when we think of Easter, we normally think of things being full. This morning, our children woke up with Easter baskets full of that sweet stuff. If I say the word candy, I'll put on three pounds. We find Easter baskets that are full. This morning, look around you. The building is full. When you get home, the table will be full. Your house quite likely will be full with family. We're accustomed to Easter being full of things. But this morning, I want you to think opposite. I want you to think 
about it being empty at Easter. Empty at Easter. Have you ever given any thought to the emptiness of Easter? Let us think about it in two thoughts this morning. I want us to think about it in two thoughts. The first thought is, let's think about the emptiness at Easter, that first Easter, that first Easter. If you got your bulletin, follow along. Now, we're going to, if you have your Bible still open, let's think about that first Easter just for a second. Everybody knows that it was unusual, whatever was going on. Chapter 16 of Mark opens with the ladies going to a graveyard before daylight. Hello? Anybody in here want to go to a graveyard before daylight? In fact, I used to work at a funeral home. Had to spend the night there many times, and I'll just tell you this. I couldn't get any of my kids to go to that funeral home and spend the night with me. And yet, as we see these women, they've left home early this morning to go to the grave. They were so much in love with Jesus. Their hearts that were so full of the love that they had for their Lord. After watching the violence and the anger and the blood of three days earlier, can you imagine how empty their hearts were, were that day and how full it was of just hurt and pain and agony that they'd lost someone that they loved so much? Along the way, as they started on their journey, the first emptiness, the first emptiness that we discover, I'm going to suggest that it was off to their right. They walked to the right, and all of a sudden they could see the hill. It's shaped like a skull. It's given a name, Golgotha, and up there they saw three empty crosses. Three empty crosses. Now, it may not have been an actual cross up there because the way that they did their crucifixions in those days, they would lay that cross member on the ground and they would either tie or nail their their um, victims and they would hang them up and then when they took them down, they'd take that cross member back down. But whether it was just the, the stapes, that perpendicular pole, and there were three of them, or whether it was one, here's what I want to say to you. The cross was empty. The cross is still empty. The cross will always be empty. If you wear a cross around your neck, please wear one that's empty because Jesus is not still on the cross. When you think, look at that cross, can you imagine what went through those women's minds? I know what goes through my mind as I picture that cross. I know it's a place of violence. I know it's a place of death. But as I look at that cross, I'm reminded of of why Jesus was put up there. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that there's none righteous. The Bible tells us that the wages, the payment, the compensation for our sin is death. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there will be no forgiveness or remission of sin. And when we look at that empty cross up there and we know that it trickled with the blood of our Lord Jesus, here's what I'll tell you. The Bible also tells us at the right time, at the appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrated his love for us at the right time. He died for the ungodly. And and Peter tells us that Christ died once for all, the the godly for the ungodly, that he might bring us to God. That cross up there paid the the debt 
for our sin, paid the sin debt that we have. That's one of the things the video is going to say. It's a day of canceled debt. You will never be able to pay this debt. You cannot make earn enough righteousness. You do not have enough righteousness to pay the debt. The debt is belong. The debt is to God, and God says, "Listen, the only thing that will satisfy payment for your sin is death." I don't know any of us that wants to die. Can you see the cross? Can you see what it means? Can you personalize it for yourself, that that it's there for you, that it's there for me? That was the first thing they saw. I can only imagine what they thought as they walked by. When I walked by the cross, I'm reminded that alas and did my Savior bleed and did my sovereign die. Would he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? The empty cross. Well, they continued their journey. The cross is there. They continued their journey and straight ahead, they got to thinking about that that tomb. That was a two-ton boulder. And and it had to be rolled uphill. And they, they obviously were so torn up, they couldn't figure out how they were going to roll the tomb. They forgot to get anybody to help them roll the tomb. They probably didn't know about the Roman seal and uh, uh, just a whole myriad of things. And then they look, and the graves open. Robin, if you walked into a cemetery and a grave was open, would you go the other direction? I thought so. The grave was open. And you know what? They walked up to it according to our Scripture, and they looked in. I'm reminded of the old story. There was a man who was an alcoholic. He got drunk one Saturday night, started home. He stumbled through the cemetery. About halfway through the cemetery, he fell into an open grave. And he started trying to get out, hollered, nobody heard him. And finally he got so tired, he just sat back down in the corner. A little bit later, one of his buddies came through that same cemetery because they had saw him going that direction. They would seen him going that direction, and they kind of worried about him because they didn't want to make sure he got home. And they fell in the same grave. Tried to get out, tried to get out, tried to get out. And finally, from the darkness in the back, a voice said, You'll never get out of here. <laughs> but he did. You see, we don't do grave. The second, the second truth is that the tomb was empty. It was an empty tomb. They, yeah. Who will roll away the tomb from us, the stone from us? And then it says, listen, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. For 2,000 years, people have been trying to put him in the tomb, and he's still not in the tomb. In fact, the truth is, he went into the tomb, he laid there, he was trapped there, he was buried for our transgressions. And then he lives today. We sang it. Up from the grave he arose. With a triumph o'er his foes, he arose the victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever. And he says, because I live, you too can live. The empty tomb. But there's another interesting thing I see that I, that I know. It's not really mentioned in the Mark passage. The only person that mentions this of our three, of our four uh, gospel evangelists, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is John. He mentions it in chapter 20. There's one more thing that's empty. 
And that is the clothes. Empty grave clothes. No wonder what that... John said, we saw the clothes lying there. No wonder what that's all about. Now, I don't know all that it means, but may I suggest a couple of things to you? It could well mean that Jesus came to this life, and he put on this earthly body like we put it on. And when he got through with it, he left it here. He took off the bars of clay because he knew that one day we were going to have to take off the bars of clay. You see, he left those clothes because he got through with them. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the truth is, I, I'm going to pick on Christy since she's here this morning. Thanks, <laughs> I saw that. I did not ask her forgiveness, so I'll ask her permission later. We talked we talk about Nana being, my mom being gone, and, and Christy was, one day she was talking to her mom, and she said, Mom, I'm, I'm so sad Nana's gone because I wasn't through with her. You ever felt that way about a loved one? They're not through with them. And yet there comes a time when we are through, when we leave this old body, when we leave this old earth behind. Now listen, just because I'm telling you we're going to leave the body and leave this old earth behind does not mean everybody's going to make it into eternity and into heaven. Only those who come to understand what that empty cross means and has received that empty cross into their life the ones who have understood what the empty tomb means and has received that empty tomb in their life, the ones who understand what the empty clothes mean and receive that in their life. You cannot go to heaven by osmosis. You cannot be resurrected from the dead. The Bible tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin until Christ makes us alive. And some, for some reason, he gave us the ability to make a conscious decision. That's that first Easter. Although I would not miss the day that I live in for anything in the world, I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall of Jimmy that first Easter. I'd love to have been there when they started visiting the tomb and the buzz began to go around. But I want us, for the minutes that remain, I want us to talk about that final Easter. That final Easter. What would you do if you knew that this Easter would be the last Easter you were on the face of this earth? How would it impact you? People kind of roll their eyes when I ask that question because they go, ah, you know, that's not going to happen. I'm healthy. Well, let me tell you, a year ago, Deborah and I had four healthy parents. Most of you know in the 60-day time, 60-day time span, we lost two of them. We have a member in our church that lost both parents in a 35-day time span this year. You see, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed that you'll make it to the car. What if this were indeed your last Easter, your final Easter on earth? Oh, and it doesn't have to be death, by the way. You see... Not only did Jesus die on the cross, not only did he resurrect from the grave, not only did he walk the earth for 40 days after he resurrected, not only did he ascend in front of the 500 witnesses, there were angels there that testified, hey, listen, he's going to go, he's gone, but he's coming back one day. 
One day he's going to split the eastern sky. Are you going to be ready? Will you be ready? I hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost hear the trumpet as Gabriel sounds the call at the midnight. We'll be going home when Jesus steps out on a cloud he called his children. The dead in Christ shall rise. At the midnight cry, when Jesus comes again, I look around me, I see prophecy fulfilling. And signs of the time, they're appearing everywhere. I can almost hear the Father as He says, Son, go get my children. At the midnight The bride of Christ will rise when Jesus steps out on a cloud he called his children. You know what? Sing it with me. The dead in Christ shall rise. Hear me. And in those who remain, we'll be quickly changed. At the midnight cry, when Jesus comes again.
And in those who Be careful. Here's the thing. Jesus is coming again. There is not one prophetic uh, happening that has to come about before Jesus splits the eastern sky and comes again. Why did this songwriter, why do we call it the midnight cry? May I suggest to you this because of the Matthew 25 passage where it talks about the wise and the foolish virgins do you remember that story had those virgins half of them were wise half of them were foolish half of them made preparation half of of them didn't and at midnight when the bridegroom came to get them when Jesus came to get them they were not ready for just a few moments what would it mean what is empty in your life if you're not ready if he were to come today and you're not ready It's not enough just to stand on our feet, clap our hands. It's not a matter about how high we jump. It's how straight we walk. It's what's in here. Let me suggest to you three things that could be empty on this final Easter, and you will not look forward to the midnight cry. First of all, empty lives. An empty life. Whoa, Brother Jerry, you don't know about my life. My life is full as it can be. Well, let us not confuse with a busy life with a full life. There's probably not a person in this room, and I'll look for an amen. There is probably not a person in this room that needs one more meeting, one more sporting event, or one more happening on their schedule. Amen? Amen. Exactly. We are busy. In fact, we are overextended, over busy. But just because we're busy don't mean we have discovered fulfillment in life. You know how you discover fulfillment in life? You have to find that ultimate purpose that God created you for, and you will never find it outside of the one who rose from the grave. And that empty life will destroy you. We We are chasing all the wrong things in this country. We place our faith in all the wrong places. Our country tells us we just have plenty of money, plenty of good looks, plenty of health. I mean, look at television to see what's going on. Everything will be okay. If that is the case, why is it that over 33,000 people in this country end their life every year at their own hand? How come it is that the majority of them, many of them, have more money in the bank than they know what to do with because we're chasing the wrong star? Jesus came to give us life and give it to the fullest. 
Here's the deal, is that when we get to chasing the wrong things and go in the wrong direction and put our focus on the wrong things, then when we find out, we become disillusioned. And we realize that we have an empty hope. Years ago, another church that I pastored, we bought some TV commercials. One of the commercials that we bought said this. A man can live 40 days without food. I don't remember all the statistics. Ten days without water. Four minutes without air. But how long can a man live without hope? And you say, well, Brother Jerry, I put my hope. I'm here this morning. But you know many of us put our hope in Jesus only for this life. And you know what Paul says? Paul writes and tells us if we only have hope in Jesus Christ for this life, we are all men most miserable. We are all men to be pitied. Where have you cast your hope today? Have you cast it in the government? Hello? Have you cast it in your 401k or your bank account? Or have you cast it in Jesus? And when you have an empty life and an empty hope, you know what it bleeds out of? An empty heart. An empty heart. Young people and old people, please listen. There is not a human being on this earth that can fill your heart. There's not a human being on this earth that can make you happy. Your heart was designed to have the presence of God in it. And if you don't have the presence of God in it, nothing else is going to matter. And what kind of God would it be? What kind of God would it be to say, I'm designing, I am designing your heart for me. But you're going to have to guess at how to get me there. You see, our Lord has told us how to get him there. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting Folks, today there are some things that need to be empty at Easter. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. The grave clothes are empty. And we should rejoice in that. But listen, there's some things that need to be filled today. Your life needs to be filled. It needs to be filled with the presence of Jesus. Your hope needs to have fulfillment. And you'll only find fulfillment when you invite Christ into your life. And your heart needs to be filled. And the only thing that will ever fill your heart, your heart is shaped like God. And whatever is in your heart is your God. And God wants to come in and fill your heart to the fullest. So that one day, like Jamie's saying, when the sky is split, you can be one of the ones taken away. His name was Philip. He was an eight- or nine-year-old boy. Philip was a little bit different. He was a sickly boy. He was slow. He seemed to be, every time something came up, he caught it. Mentally, he didn't stay up with the other kids. And so he was never really accepted in the Sunday school class. You know, kids can be almost as mean as adults. 
couple of weeks before Easter, the Sunday school teacher said, Guys, I want you all to take an egg, this plastic egg, and uh, I want you to bring it back on Easter Sunday. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to go outside with the egg, and I want you to put things in this egg and bring it back and share it with the class that represents Easter Sunday. All the kids went off. Easter Sunday came. When they came back, the first kid opened his, and it had a flower in it. And the kids oohed and awed. Oh, that's so wonderful. And, and the teacher said, what does that mean? He said, that's, that's a flower like Jesus turned into a flower. Another egg was open, and it was a green gr- piece of grass. And they said, man, that's new life that comes at Easter. Another one put a butterfly in it. Kids really had a fun with that. When they popped it open, it flew around the room. They finally got to the last, to another egg, and they opened it, and nothing was in it. And the kids said, that's stupid. Who did something like that? And the teacher said, whose egg is that? And Philip raised his hand. And they said, Philip, what what do you mean by that? He said, the tomb is empty. After that, Philip seemed to be better accepted into the class as they all just kind of thought for a second. A few months later, Philip caught a, a disease that for most kids would be easily fought off. But because his immune system was so low, it took his life. As this little eight or nine-year-old boy lay in a casket, the Sunday school teacher brought the students in so they could come see their buddy, someone they just started embracing. And every one of them brought an egg and laid it in the casket and popped it open. Nobody else may have known what that meant, but they did. They knew it meant that this body was empty, but heaven was filled. Here's the question. Every week, people in or from this congregation say goodbye to loved ones. If you were the one that they had to say goodbye to, before the week's end, would your essence have made it into heaven because you had personally received Christ Jesus and walked in his way? Or would it make it to that other place that we know as hell, into eternal torment? Easter's exciting. But to me, the exciting thing is when our lives changed and made full don't leave your life empty at Easter let's pray together